Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. To the Buffalo Bills post-game show here on the Buffalo Bills radio network. I'm Nate Geary, live from the Northwest Bank broadcast booth. Before we get into the nitty-gritty of this big win for the Bills to go 2-0 in the preseason, preseason, let's pause 10 seconds for station identification. You're listening to the Buffalo Bills Radio Network. Sports Radio 550 WTR Buffalo. WKSE HD2 Niagara Falls Buffalo. 98.5 FM. Always live on the free Odyssey app. All right, so the Bills get a 42-15 win, a dominating win over the Denver Broncos. They moved to 2-0 on the preseason. They head into week three next week against the Carolina Panthers on the road, looking to seal up a perfect preseason under Sean McDermott and company. A big game from the Buffalo Bills quarterbacks as a group led by Case Keenum, who goes 16 for 18, 192 yards in this game and a score. Josh Allen, 3 for 3. He started the game 45 yards and a touchdown to Gabriel Davis on their first drive. And Matt Barkley finishes things up 7 of 8, 65 yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. As a group, the Bills quarterbacks finished 26 of 29, 302 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, a 133 quarterback rating. I would say that's pretty darn good for the Bills quarterback room under Joe Brady. 803-0551-888-552-550. If you're hanging out in the lots, headed home, who stood out to you today during the Bills' 42-15 to win? I'm going to go through my group uh, here in just a moment. We'll also hear from uh, Bills head coach, Sean McDermott from the coach's podium here in just a few minutes. Before we are, uh, We'll also get you the Skyworks stats of the game throughout the program. Uh, we'll get you your electric player of the game. We've got a whole bunch to get to over the next hour and uh, or the next two hours, I should say, as we put a bow on the second preseason game of the season. So for me today, a couple of things stood out. Let's start with the Bills' offensive line, and I won't single anyone out because every part the second, the third team unit was a dominating performance from start to finish. And in particular, that second unit led by Cody Ford and Bobby Hart. That's right, Cody Ford and Bobby Hart had an unbelievable performance on the left side of the offensive line. Most notable in that second half, the Bills rushing offense really could not be stopped to open the half. Matt Barkley, a quarterback, turning the ball, turning around and handing the ball off to Raheem, to Raheem Blackshear. And, uh, and Duke Johnson, who finished the day with two touchdowns. A really dominating performance on the ground as a team. The Bills finished 27 carries, 208 yards for a 7.5 yards per carry average and four touchdowns. Zach Moss in this game, four for 19, two scores. But it was Duke Johnson that really flashed early in that second half. He finished the game with nine carries, 55 yards, a 6.1 yards per carry average and two scores. Raheem Blackshear, he finishes the game, five carries, 58 yards, 
11 and a half yards per carry and a 25 yard uh, run as the long for the day of any Bills player in this matchup. So the running back room uh, and the depth area, at least with Blackshear and Duke Johnson looking to be in a great place. We'll talk more about the top of this running back room in just a few moments as well. A great game all around from this Bills offense at one point. They had scored six touchdowns through their first six offensive possessions. Hard to pick any holes in that type of performance. Now, yes, the Denver Broncos did not play their starting offense or defense, but, man, I've got to tell you, from up here, looking at the second and third unit to the Denver Broncos team, either they weren't interested in playing today or they're not a very good group behind the starters of the Broncos. It was very clear that the Bills' second and third team offense and defense really, to me, stood out. Um, as one of, again, the deepest teams in all of the National Football League. Spencer Brown started today's game with the second offensive line unit at right tackle. We did not see Tommy Doyle in this game. He was out with an injury. David Questenberry, right now, looks to appear anyways, to be in line to be this team's starting right tackle come week one, unless things change over the next couple of days, which is an interesting development for me, thinking that Spencer Brown was going to kind of walk into the season as the starting right tackle. We know he's been dealing with an offseason back injury that he's still working his way back from. Could that just be as simple as they're going to wait until he's 100%? Or is David Quesenberry going to be this team's starting right tackle? Something to look forward to over the next couple of days. Before we get into more of my keys from today's game, let's go to the phones. And a reminder, 803-0550, the numbers to call if you want to get your thoughts in. Let's go to Rich in Auburn. who wants to talk about uh, how deep the team is. Rich, uh, welcome. You're on Buffalo Bills postgame. Yeah, you said it, Mike. I, I have never seen a, a deeper roster than this. And you start with the quarterback. Barclay looked outstanding in the second half. But, you know, what about Casey Case, uh, uh, Case uh, Keenum? I think these guys could, you know, make a claim to the AFCs with, 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 with Casey Keenum as the quarterback. And, you know, I hate to say it, but Brandon Bean would be committing malpractice if he's not at least taking calls about, you know, unloading number 17. Imagine the draft picks they'd, they'd bring in in a trade for Allen and, and have Casey Keenum run the offense. What do you think? Well, I think you're crazy, but that's okay. It's it's post-game after a preseason game and, you know, maybe, maybe too many pops. I'm not sure, but I, I would tell you that uh, Case Keenum's a great – backup quarterback in the NFL he's been a great back quarterback in the NFL I think if you're the Cleveland Browns uh considering that Jacoby Brissett's going to have to play meaningful football here over the next couple of weeks I would think that the Cleveland Browns wouldn't mind having their sixth round or seventh round pick back uh and having Case Keenum run out there for 11 games while Deshaun Watson is uh suspended by the NFL let's go back to the phones let's go to Mike in Buffalo uh Mike you're on the postgame show welcome Hey, how you doing, guys? Thank you for taking my call. I appreciate that. Yep. Um, I just want to say, you know, I just left the game. Uh, Allen and the second quarterback, you know, Stefan Diggs. Um, I just want to get you guys' uh, uh, opinion against, you know, um, Mahomes and at 13 seconds. If we would have, you know, beat them in the Rams, we would have been, you know, a Super Bowl chance. But now if we play Tom Brady, I hope we beat them in the uh, uh, Kansas City, and I think this is our year. I think, you know, no injuries, no bad calls. This is our year. Anyways, have a good night, guys. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate it. Yeah, you know, um, 
this is certainly a team that is trending in the direction many of us thought that they would be. Now, again, it's preseason, taking too much, too less out of these games. Probably taking too much out of a game like this. The Broncos really, in my opinion, didn't show up today to play much. Uh, but the Bills' depth, I think, is something that you can take from a game like today and feel very good about. To see this depth, uh, whether it's the offensive line, the defensive line, their defensive backfield, once thought to be the weakness of this team at the depth position at corner, now appears to be a major strength. Christian Benford, their sixth-round pick out of Villanova. Obviously, Kyrie Elam, their number one pick this past uh, April. They look to be a defensive secondary that's not only great at the top, but has depth behind it. Uh, that's go That goes without mentioning guys like Cam Lewis and and Saran Neal, who also did not play today for the Bills. The Bills' secondary is as deep as it gets, um, and I'm certainly not worried at all about the backup uh, situation at cornerback or defensive back as well. Let's go to Mike in Ithaca, who's on the phones. Mike, welcome to the postgame show. Hey, man. I'm so happy to be on. Uh, uh, actually, didn't Cam Lewis play? I just caught the end of that. I thought he did play. Uh, he, uh, Cam, end, but... Cam Lewis did. Uh, Saran Neal did not. Ah, okay. Sorry, I misheard you. Anyway, uh, yeah, just to piggyback off of uh, you know, kind of what you've been talking about is I, you know, this is the second preseason game in a row that I mean I have sat through and watched, and I'm sitting here going, this isn't like the preseason games I remember. Everybody is playing so hard, and that's when it hit me, which is the obvious. We we haven't experienced a team stacked with this much talent uh, since the '90s, arguably. So. You know, it's it's unbelievable to me. You know, guys are just playing top-level football because they're fighting for an actual spot, and it's really exciting to watch. And then I realized the even uh, the the bigger part of that is is that what happened when the Pagulas bought the Bills, and then we got Bean and McDermott. It trickles down from the top, and now you're finally seeing people. You know, we're obviously drafting players, but you know we're getting free agents as well that want to come here and win and they want to play harder for you. And it's just a, it's so refreshing to me uh, as a Bills fan, but you know, lifelong, it's like, you know, I, 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 I don't know how to, I know it's preseason, but it's just, it's a different lens. You know what I mean? So it's exciting, man. Go Bills. Yeah. Thanks for the call, Mike. I agree. Listen, I, I, I think this is likely going to be a roster that sees several more than two or three. I'm thinking a handful, maybe, Maybe I'll stop short of saying double-digit guys, but there is going to be a plenty, uh, a, a large amount of players on this roster that do not make the 53 that get picked up elsewhere. Uh, Raheem Blackshear is an NFL running back. Duke Johnson is an NFL running back. Neither of these guys are going to sniff the 53-man roster. I think both have a great opportunity to stick on elsewhere. You start to look at the defensive side of the ball. I don't know where you're going to find room for Cam Lewis. That's another NFL-caliber interior uh, slot-level cornerback um, in the NFL. Uh, you start to go through the rest of the roster. We'll see what happens on the offensive line. I think Bobby Hart's a lock to make this football team right now. He's shown versatility this offseason uh, during training camp, bumping down to guard. He's played tackle today. He looked well doing it. Is Cody Ford going to make this football team? If he doesn't, he's likely going to stick on another roster across the league somewhere. Greg Manns, is this a guy that's going to make the roster, or are they going to feel comfortable keeping Rick Bates as the primary backup to, to Mitch Morse if something were to happen to the starting center? So there's a lot of guys you look across this roster and think, these are guys that are going to play football, you know, whether it's a special teams role or a depth role elsewhere in the league. I think the wide receiver room is a great uh, a great 
you know, way to look at this as well. Like Tavon Austin, you know, if he gets cut, could he potentially find his way to the Bills practice squad? I think it's possible. But I'll tell you what, if this if Isaiah Hodgins does not make this fifty three man roster, he's gonna get exposed to waivers. He's not sticking around. Isaiah Hodgins is going to get picked up by an NFL football team. He has looked the part of an NFL boundary receiver. Um, so I, I don't think I don't think that the story here might be whether or not Khalil Shakir can do all of the things that Jamison Crowder can. Because I think at Crowder, understanding that his contract is a fully guaranteed contract this year, and there's no real financial benefit to cutting Crowder. I've got to tell you, you know, when you look at Khalil Shakir, that looks like a guy that you want on the field as much as possible. And I know you've got Isaiah McKenzie locked in at that number three wide receiver role. The question to me is going to be, is Khalil Shakir overtaking Jamison Crowder in the pecking order on this group of wide receivers? And then you have the conversation between Jake Kumaro right now and Isaiah Hodgins, another player that I just brought up. Like, Ken Kumaro hold off Hodgins because of his role on special teams, that he's a core four special teams player. However, he does not have the same ceiling. He does not have the same ability as a boundary receiver right now that Isaiah Hodgins does. So thinking about this wide receiver group, there's going to be guys that are cut off the 53-man roster that are absolutely going to stick on elsewhere, either in a special teams role or a legitimate wide receiver role in the NFL. Let's go back to the phones, 803-0551-888. 552, 550, your numbers to call. Let's go to Jack in Florida. Jack, you are on the Buffalo Bills postgame show. Welcome. You know, it's been a great time to sit back and to be a Bills fan. I mean, at 37, you know, moving away from Buffalo, biggest thing I've ever had to do. Moving down here and seeing the hype about the team everywhere you're going in a new town is great. Here's the one issue I have, and I have to try to understand how to deal with. As a Bills fan, I've never had to deal with being fearful of guys that we're cutting going to teams that we're going to be playing against that could be teams that are going to be competitive in the division or in the conference. You know, you got guys like Blackshear. you got guys and you're having this conversation of Kumaro and Hodgins. You know, this is the first time I can recall in, in all of my years watching these guys play that you don't know who's going to make the roster and it's exciting to watch and it's only preseason. Now I do have to say one other thing and I'll, you know, I will hear what you guys have to say, but whoever called talking about the idea of trading Allen, they definitely had way too many pops. I mean, they don't even need to be in the realm of even accepting a phone call. I mean, your screeners need to do a far better job because that was just the most blasphemous thing I've heard. And I can't even tell you how long. Well, so, I'll, I'll tell you the list, impressive. I hope he gets a great laugh out of it. The impressive part was being able to fully dial the number uh, to, to call in. I'll, I'll give him that credit, Jack. Absolutely. And you know what? I mean, like I said, all I want to say is, you know what? It's exciting to see. It's it's never been a season or any of can I recall a situation where we've had, you know, you're fearful of the guys that your team is not that aren't going to make your team that aren't, you know, not that they're not good enough, but realistically, they're not part of a 53 man roster of winning a Super Bowl and they're dangerous players. That's scary. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for the call, Jack. I appreciate it. That's, uh, that's I think, the interesting part of, of seeing a legitimate Super Bowl roster is to see, you know, guys that, you know, maybe aren't good enough to be on a Super Bowl roster but are absolutely good enough to be on a 53-man roster across the league. And I think it's the biggest difference now than when Brandon Bean walked into this situation five years ago is the ability to completely turn over a roster and go from really a fringe, in a lot of cases, average NFL roster 
to having one of the best, if not the deepest, I mean, certainly the deepest roster in the NFL, but this was a team when Brandon Bean took over pretty much devoid of blue chip top end, top tier talent. They have both top tier talent, Von Miller, one of the best players at his position in the league. Josh Allen, considered one of the top one or two quarterbacks in all of football. Stephon Diggs, pretty widely considered one of the top five wide receivers in football. Deion Dawkins, a, t- a top ten player at his position. Um, you look on the defensive line, and um, you look at a guy like uh, Ed Oliver. Is he approaching top ten uh, at his position on the interior defensive line in the NFL as well? I think there's just a lot to like about everything that this offense has right now, the pieces in place. Um, and, and I think when you're looking at it from afar, it is pretty obvious to me that this Bills team has the goods to not just be a Super Bowl contender like they've been talked about for the better part of the summer, but a team that dominates opponents that don't have Davis Mills, that don't have Philip Walker and Cam Newton starting football games, but dominating an opponent on the other side of the line of scrimmage that can win football games, that are a competitive average football teams in the NFL. And I think that says a lot about where the Bills are roster-wise at this point in August. 803-0550-1888-552-550, your numbers to call. Let's grab one more phone call here. We're going to hear from Sean McDermott here in just a few moments as well. Let's go to Matt in Buffalo. You are uh, you're on the uh, Bills postgame show. Welcome. What's going on, man? How are you? Just dandy. I'm I'm all excited. Bills nearly win by 30 points, turn on WGR, and the first thing I hear is some guy can't even announce Case Keenum's name, and he's saying he needs to replace 17. I, I almost lost it. I liked, I but, think he I think he almost called him Casey Kasem, too, which I, I, I actually almost Casey, appreciate. He's like, Casey, Casey, and I'm like, oh, my God, don't say it. But So, anyways, the reason I'm calling, I'm just, uh, I mean, I'm ecstatic about this team. It's the deepest team we've had. Um, I'm just kind of thinking about the running backs. I mean, Singletary looked great. Zach Moss, he actually is playing that physical role. And then James Cook looked good. I mean, I don't think you can suit all three for the game. So I'm thinking you got maybe James Cook. Is he not dressing week one? And then who knows about if uh, Trey White's going to be healthy week one. Then all of a sudden you got our first two picks in the draft. They might not even start. Like, that's crazy. That just shows how deep this team is. But I was just kind of wondering, like, do you guys think uh, James Cook could possibly be a scratch the first game? I think it's a fair question, Matt. I, I don't think so, no. I, I think, and I've been making this parallel. I know my, my co-host for pregame, Joe DiBiase, was also making the same parallel. This feels like a three-headed monster in this running back room. Um, it, it really does. It feels like it, it has all the vibes of the Lynch, um, Fred Jackson, and C.J. Spiller backfield with Zach Moss, uh, Devin Singletary, and James Cook. I, I think James Cook has a role to play in this offense as their primary pass catching back. He looks the part. He's the one guy in that running back room that's a true threat on those outside zone plays, a guy that can stretch the field, can force defenders out past um, you know, the tackle box, and then have the ability to make a one cut inside and be gone. So I think in terms of pass catching backs, He's probably going to be your number two back off the bench when Devin Singletary needs a blow. And then you've got Zach Moss. When you get inside the 10-yard line, I like Zach Moss moving into the game and moving into those situations. Um, I, I, I think it's um, – I, I think for me, when I look at James Cook and his potential role, I, I, I would be hard-pressed to think that not only is he on the – you know, he's going to be on the 53, no doubt. I don't see him – 
not dressing for, for, for football games, especially early on the season, trying to get him integrated into the offense, see what he looks like on pass catching downs. I know one of the things that Sean McDermott constantly talks about with young running backs is being able to trust them on passing downs when they are not a primary weapon. When James Cook's not asked to leave the backfield as a dump down option for Josh Allen, can he protect? Can he be a physical uh, piece in the backfield and keep Josh Allen upright. Those will be the things that I'm kind of paying attention to uh, and have been paying attention to this preseason. So far, so good for James Cook, but I'm, I, I think James Cook's a lock to be in a jersey um, come game day. I, I think he's really um, I, I think he's really molded out a special role for a specialty role in this offense for the Bills, um, and, and I fully expect him to be a part of the, the game day script uh, early on this season when the Bills face off against the Rams in week one. 803-0550, the numbers to call. Thanks for the, uh, thanks for the call, my friend. Um, we uh, are still waiting on uh, Coach Sean McDermott. We'll get to that in a second. Um, before we do that, let's kind of go through some of the other storylines that I had coming from this game, um, particularly um, at the wide receiver position. We were talking here um, about Shakir and Crowder, that argument, Hodgins, and Gabriel Davis, but uh, we'll do all of that on the other side. We'll also hear from head coach Sean McDermott, all that and more on the other side. You're listening to Buffalo Bills postgame on the Buffalo Bills radio network. Welcome back to the Buffalo Bills postgame show here on the Buffalo Bills radio network. Before we hear from Bills head coach Sean McDermott, let's get to the Skyworks equipment rental stats of the game. Skyworks equipment rental building America from the ground up. Visit skyworksllc.com. Again, in this game, Case Keenum, the story of this one, 16 of 18, 192 yards and a score on the receiving end. Another good day from Khalil Shakir, the Bills' fifth-round rookie out of Boise State. Three catches, 59 yards. Gabriel Davis, two drives in this ball game. He finishes with two catches for 47 yards and that lone Josh Allen touchdown. O.J. Howard, he has a nice game today. He finishes with three catches, 16 yards, and that touchdown catch on the receiving end of the Case Keenum touchdowns. So those are your Skyworks stats of the game. We're going to hear from a little later on uh, some players that are speaking right now. We've got Case Keenum and Devin Singletary. You'll hear from Bill's left tackle, Deion Dawkins and Josh Allen uh, throughout the program as well. Um, so moving into a couple of the things we were speaking about before we went to a, a quick break. Before, uh, we talked a little about Khalil Shakir. We talked about Duke Johnson and Raheem Blackshear. A little bit about the three-headed monster at the running back position. But the one area that I continue to think this Bills offensive line today really stood out to me um, as, you know, I, I know Eric Wood, maybe a little bit biased from Eric Wood since he's a former offensive lineman, naming the offensive line as the player of the game today. Um, but I think it's a very good case to be made for the offensive line today based on their performance from start to finish. It wasn't just the starters. It was the second and third teamers as well, completely dominating the point of attack today against this Denver Broncos team. By the way, a Denver Broncos team, with a new head coach, a new offensive and defensive coordinators, all in their first time at each of those positions, an opportunity to make a name, to make some plays for yourself, and the Bills just dominated from the first whistle to the last today, and it started both at both line of scrimmages, particularly on the Bills' offensive line front. Again, I, I, I want to call out two players in particular that stood out to me watching live and seeing several other highlights as well after the game. But Cody Ford and Bobby Hart both looked the part today. I mean, physical, 
downhill blocking combos, getting to the second level when you're Bobby Hart. Uh, but they really opened things up. We're talking a lot about Raheem Blackshear and Duke Johnson in the games that they had today. A lot of that was due in part to the blocking up front on the left side. In the beginning of that second half, when Matt Barkley took over um, on offense, I mean, they just hammered the left side or the right side of the Denver Broncos defensive line, the Bills' left side, and it was right behind Hart and Cody Ford, two guys that have drawn the ire of Bills fans for quite some time now. And, you know, listen, rightfully so, Cody Ford, over his first three years, it just hasn't worked out the way that I think the Bills envisioned it working out when they traded up for him in the second round three years ago. I'm sure for Cody Ford, who's had tough time, A, staying healthy, but B, finding consistency of what position he can play day in, week in, year in, and year out. I mean, starting at tackle, getting bumped down to guard, going back to tackle, going left, right side. I mean, fair or unfair, Cody Ford has been moved around a ton and has not really been able to find any longevity at any particular position on the offensive line. And when you're a young player trying to acclimate to the NFL game, it can be really difficult when you're unable to sort of get acclimated, get comfortable in one position. And you know, whether it was due to injuries, whether it was due to just lack of good play by Cody Ford, him finding that position and finding that spot um, has been a really difficult thing for him. So it was good to see him today have success, especially next to a guy like Bobby Hart, who has also had a lot of trouble um, over the first couple years of his career. We know how it sort of finished in, in Cincinnati. And, um, you know, I think from here on, thinking about Bobby Hart and potentially Cody Ford both making the 53-man roster. I think you would have probably said I was crazy to start this year to think Bobby Hart could actually push for a roster spot. But Bobby Hart has shown a little something we didn't see in Cincinnati or last year in his first year with the Bills after being kind of picked up late in the training camp process. That versatility, the ability to bump down to play guard, bump out to play tackle, that versatility is the sort of thing that keeps you around year in and year out. And to see him play the way that he did at tackle today was certainly a surprise. I mean, we've seen it from him at the guard position, um, This, at least through the first preseason game and through training camp. He's looked comfortable playing guard. I think it's a more natural position for him. He doesn't have to worry about facing some of those bendy, quicker, more athletic edge players. He can sort of get by with some of those, uh, with his lack of foot speed. And the same thing with Cody Ford. I think that's why both of them are sort of, I think, better fit at the guard position. They have a little bit slower feet, and they can't keep up with a lot of these edge players in today's NFL, but they can certainly hold their own inside. And the question for me with Cody Ford is, you know, in the pass game, can he be relied upon in his past, uh, his past drops? Now, from time to time, that's been inconsistent, but no one has ever questioned Cody Ford's ability to get downfield and be a run blocker, and that really showed today in a lot of combo situations with Bobby Hart to his left. Um, so the entire offensive line from start to finish, from left to right side, really all looked well today. Looking at Roger Saffold and that left side of the defensive line, or I'm sorry, the left off side of the offensive line has been really impressive to me. Um, and you know, we're actually going to go to the podium now. We're going to take Tremaine Edmonds, who's meeting with the media live right now quite valuable as you're getting ready for the season knowing that you can be full go against the opponent yeah it's definitely valuable because like you said man training camp you don't have a lot of live opportunities um so you know missed tackles are going to happen you know it's, it's 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 good to get those mistakes out the way now so come game time come regular season you know you got the kinks out and you know you already kind of rehearsed that kind of stuff so you know those kind of things are going to happen in preseason but you want to limit those mistakes you want to limit you know how many times it does happen but um, like you, I mean, it's just it's hard to practice live tackling in camp. You know, 
uh, just being that we don't go live a lot. But, you know, when the time is there, um, you want to put yourself in the best position and to make the play. Man, how's the communication with the guys behind you? No Jordan, no Mike. I know Jaquan and Jamar have been here for a minute. But how is it kind of getting that message out to the guys behind you and out on the edges, especially some of those young guys that were playing? Yeah, man, it's been good. You know, I'm excited just to see those guys be able to come in and, you know, get those extra reps. Um, you know, you got Jaquan back there, uh, DeMar Hamlin, you know, guys are playing at a high level. And, uh, you know, just for them to come in and, you know, just communicate and, uh, you know, see things, you know, just with the ones playing with different people, man, it, it, it means a lot, you know, for the defense and, you know, for them in general. Um, you know, they play away from, you know, being the guy, as we can see, you know, injuries happen in this game. So, you know, being that they're able to get all these looks, you know, it's good for our defense, good for our team. Man, you was able to go out there in the first play to, you know, set the tone, if you will. How important is it for you to do that every single week to go out there and set the tone on defense first play? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's you know, it's, it's really important. You know, I, I strive on that each and every time I step on the field, you know, to go out there and, you know, be the spark for the guys. Um, so, you know, anytime I got an opportunity to do that, I'm definitely going to do it. Jermaine, why is it helpful to kind of not necessarily go into the game blind, but not with a lot of game planning and, and go in and have to read and react um, versus doing a lot of game planning like you guys usually do in the season? Um, I think in a sense it kind of takes stress away from the guys. Uh, you know, just in general, just going out there, playing, trusting yourself, uh, trusting what you've been doing at practice. And, uh, I mean, just going out there and playing free. You know, I think that's the key thing that a lot of us talk about, you know, playing playing the game. Uh, that's 50% of it, if not more. You know, you just got to play free, play ball, and, you know, um, just key in on your fundamentals and that'll put you in position to make plays. How much is this D-line now is allowing you to be more freer? Yeah, I mean... I mean, those guys working up front, you know, <laughs> I take my hat off to them, man, because every day at practice, I mean, there's only one thing on their mind, and that's getting better. And, um, you know, I've been saying it every day. You know, those guys bring energy. Those guys bring juice. And um, those guys are making each other better. And um, it's making our team better, man. And, you know, everybody's playing fast. Everybody's playing confident. And, you know, those guys making plays. You know, it's not just, you know, making the team better, but, you know, it's making that, that room better. You know, everybody is – you know, it's it's competitive. So one person make a play, the other person gonna want to make a play, and that's what you want to have. You know, from a successful team, from a from a good team. You know, guys making each other better, um, guys that you can count on, man. That that you know, when I go out here at practice, he's gonna go 100 percent because I got to make sure I match his intensity. And you know, that's what a lot of guys in that room brings, and you know, it's good to see. Yeah, appreciate it. Linebacker Tremaine Edmonds will be hearing from Bills head coach Sean McDermott here in just one moment. And uh, one of the things Tremaine Edmonds was talking about there that I do think will be a topic of discussion, not just in the locker room, but after the game as well, missed tackles. And Tremaine Edmonds is right. Without the ability to really go full tackle, bring to the ground during training camp, you know, preseason is the opportunity to sort of get the kinks out in terms of, you know, missed tackles, playing with physicality. Um, so expect that to be cleaned up by week one. But, I mean, Tremaine Edmonds makes a great point. With After the collective bargaining agreement and seeing less practice, seeing less physicality at the practice level, seeing way less live situations, and for coaches wanting to keep their teams healthy and, uh, and so on and so forth. But th there has been a bit of a sacrifice um, in these early preseason games in terms of tackling and getting guys to the ground. And you're, you saw it at least early on in the game, and you saw it from the Bills starting, def uh, starting defensive uh, linebacking group 
by Tremaine Edmonds, by Matt Milano in this game. Uh, however, I, I fully expect the former number one defense from last season uh, to get things figured out uh, when they get closer and closer to the regular season. And uh, that is probably why, if you're Sean McDermott, you want to see your starters play in a preseason game like this. You want to give them the opportunity to get some live reps, to get some live hitting involved so they can prepare themselves come week one when you're going to have a team that's running full speed on the other side in a non-controlled environment. And yes, you know, you love to have the controlled environment during training camp to make sure that no guys get hurt. Uh, but at the same time, you want to make sure that your guys are ready and capable come week one of the regular season to A, hit with full speed, but B, bring guys to the ground and not see guys bouncing off. And even saw that from some of the second and third stringers. I think I saw a hit from Nick McLeod in this game where he made a great play and blew up a screen pass or a flare pass to the running back out to the left side of the flat. And he came in immediately, hit the running back below his knees, but he hit him so quickly the running back's knees never actually touched the ground. He's able to get up and fall forward for a couple of extra yards. And plays like that um, come the regular season are going to be expected to be cleaned up by this Bills team who entered the season as a Super Bowl favorite. 803-0551-888-552-550, your numbers to call. We're still waiting on Bills head coach Sean McDermott, who's, who I'm sure is enjoying uh, a big 45-15 to 15, or 42-15 to 15 win over the Denver Broncos and, uh, and yupping it up in the locker room with the team. Uh, but we'll hear from him in just a few moments. Um, I mentioned earlier the Spencer Brown and David Quisenberry battle, which I think going into this game was considered a battle and it looks less and less like a battle and more and more like the veteran former starting right tackle of the Tennessee Titans last season could be in line to be this team's starting right tackle, which I think would be an interesting development for me because I was really kind of considering that job locked down by second year player Spencer Brown. And we know that throughout training camp, he has not been available at a full speed type situation. He has not been taking very uh, a part of team drills for very much during training camp and we know just how much Sean McDermott values availability and it's very possible that Sean McDermott that Ken Dorsey that this Bills offense is rewarding David Questenberry for being available early on during training camp and giving him every opportunity to walk away with the starting right tackle job I still think I would be surprised to see 77 starting right tackle to start the season but I've got to admit, I did not think I would be seeing him going out there with the ones today. So we'll see how that develops over the next few weeks as the Bills still have another preseason game and another uh, week or two, I should say, well, three weeks of practice before their first game on the road on Thursday night to open the NFL season against the Los Angeles Rams. They've got time to potentially make the change at that position, but right now, it appears to me that David Quesenberry is sort of streamlined. He's sort of penciled in right now as this team's starting right tackle. And I think that's definitely a development from something that I thought we were going to see coming into this season. So the right tackle position, we talked a little bit about um, uh, Ryan Bates a little bit earlier, his versatility throughout the offensive line. I think the right side of the offensive line, I, listen, and part of, you know, kind of going back to this Quesenberry conversation, Part of, I think, why other than him being a veteran in the league who has starts that you feel like you can trust out there, um, I think with Questenberry, he gives you, he's a very good run-blocking offensive lineman. Now, he leaves a little bit to be desired in the pass game as a pass blocker, but when you consider the struggles this team had running the football last year, it's not a surprise to me that Questenberry is maybe getting the benefit of the doubt early in this season or give, at least being given the opportunity to take the right tackle job and run with it, if he can solidify that right tackle position and give this team a more consistent look on the offensive line in rundowns, 
I think that's really where he can be the biggest benefit to this offense and, you know, use Spencer Brown as the team's swing tackle. Um, that would certainly be a development for me, um, considering where I sort of thought we were with Spencer Brown. I mean, and maybe I was higher on Spencer Brown um, than maybe others were, or maybe that even the team was. Um, but I'm really of the mind that Spencer Brown is the best right tackle on this team. He's got the highest ceiling, but ceiling sometimes does not matter in a season with as much on the line as this current Buffalo Bills team has, which is Super Bowl or bust aspirations. 803-0551-888-552-550 are your numbers to call. I could probably grab another phone call here since we're still waiting for head coach Sean McDermott. Uh, to speak to the media following today's 42-15 to victory over the Denver Broncos. One note I'll make on the other side here uh, of the ball is Brett Rippon, um, the backup, I should say the third-string quarterback for the Denver Broncos. Um, I mean, he certainly looked good in this game. Now, Josh Johnson is a long time. I mean, it's kind of a running punchline joke now with Josh, Josh Johnson. How many teams? I think he's played for 14 NFL teams. He's 33, 34 years old. He had two 300-yard games and five touchdowns last year in two starts for two separate teams, the Jets and Ravens. Um, so he's probably going to be the de facto backup quarterback just based on that experience for the Denver Broncos. But I really like what I saw today from Broncos third-string quarterback Brett Rippon from Boise State a guy that I thought looked really comfortable throwing the football deep down the field, a couple of really beautiful throws to the sidelines, to his running backs, to his tight ends, one great play on third and long, another on fourth down. Um, Brett Rippon is a nice little player in the league, and I, and, and I think if he does not make the 53 as the backup quarterback in Denver, he could definitely find himself on another NFL roster if they don't keep him around as the team's practice squad quarterback. Another thing that I want to bring up from this game as well, Quinton Morris in the tight end position. I was interested to kind of see how the hierarchy today would take place with no Dawson Knox in the lineup out because of the unfortunate death of his younger brother, Luke. Um, it started play one, Tommy Sweeney, play two, Quinton Morris, Play three, back to Tommy Sweeney. We saw O.J. Howard catch that touchdown pass later in the uh, late in the game um, from, I, I think it was Case Keenum in that. So I don't really know what to make of the depth position or the depth behind uh, Dawson Knox right now at the tight end position. Uh, it seems like right now each guy is getting an, getting an opportunity to make a, uh, make a mark of sorts. But uh, to me, we're not really seeing any of these other tight ends stand out. I think... O.J. Howard was sort of given the benefit of the doubt as the guy that was going to be the de facto blocking tight end, the number two tight end on this team. But I don't think that battle is sealed up just yet. I also think Quentin Morris is, is forcing them to have some second thoughts about who might be the third guy behind O.J. Howard. And, and obviously Tommy Sweeney, I think, today got the nod as the team's number two tight end. But I, th I think O.J. Howard did some good things today in both, pass, uh, in both the passing game and the run blocking game to at least fend off Tommy Sweeney going into week three of the preseason. So we'll see how that unfolds here in the next 10 days. Is O.J. Howard going to be this team's primary backup? Will this team carry three tight ends? I think that's a fair question to ask, especially with Reggie Gilliam's ability to play both tight end and fullback. If you can save a roster spot by having Reggie Gilliam play your third tight end or your fullback position, I think that gives them flexibility to keep an extra linebacker, to keep an extra defensive back, to keep an extra wide receiver on the roster. Or if you want to get crazy and go sign Odell Beckham Jr. at the end of September, well, there you go. And, and, and you know, keeping two tight ends and a, and a fullback instead of keeping three tight ends could be the way that you make that roster math 
work. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But I was, I've been impressed all preseason with Quentin Morris, his ability um, as a pass catcher. Now, you know, he's not the biggest guy. He's kind of built in the same frame that Dawson Knox is. So there's a little redundancy in the playing style you have, which is why I think you like an OJ Howard. He's a bigger guy. Um, you can probably rely on him in the run blocking game a little bit more than say you can Quentin Morris, but Morris is an athlete. And I think down the field as a pass catcher, he brings a little bit more of what I think people were hoping to get in OJ Howard, but have not really seen yet at this point throughout the preseason. So it'll be interesting for me to see over the next week or so how that position battle behind Dawson Knox shakes out, how many total tight ends they keep on the roster, and who, what is the pecking order in that depth unit behind Dawson Knox. Still waiting on head coach Sean McDermott. Uh, he must be uh, getting a turkey burger or something. I don't know. I mean, it's, uh, he's, usually a little, he's a little late than he normally is, but uh, we know coach. He's He's probably got something important going on. Um, so before we, uh, we're not going to take a timeout. We're going to kind of wait around here for head coach Sean McDermott until he gets to the podium. We're also going to hear from Josh Allen throughout the program. We'll hear from Devin Singletary and Case Keenum as well. So we've got a lot to get to over the next little while. And while we're here, we might as well, um, we might as well get you the difference maker of the game. Brought to you, uh, well, yes, we'll get you the difference maker of the game. And that difference maker of the game is Case Keenum. And it's brought to you by Independent Health. At Independent Health, you'll find more than a 1,000 Western New Yorkers who are big fans of this community and big fans of the Bills, of course. Independent Health, well beyond insurance. Learn more at redshirttreatment.com. And again, just to go over Case Keenum today, why he is the player of the game. 16 of 18, 192 yards at 10.7 yards, uh, yards per attempt average and a touchdown in this game, 129.6 quarterback rating. Really a, a really strong bounce, an important strong bounce back performance from Case Keenum in this game. Listen, I know we probably will make too much of this like we made too much of his poor performance in week one, but Case Keenum's the backup quarterback. He's the number two quarterback in this system. I know a lot of people were calling about you know, well, should Matt Barkley be this team's primary backup quarterback? Do you move on? Do you cut Case Keenum? And the answer to your question should be answered today. It's a resounding no, right? Case Keenum is this team's number two quarterback. He proved that today. And I think if you're the Cleveland Browns, I mentioned this earlier in the program, if you're the Cleveland Browns, you're probably feeling like you want to have Case Keenum around. I mean, they traded Case Keenum and a pick to the Bills. I think Case Keenum in a seventh for a six or Case Keenum in a sixth for a seventh. I don't know how that ended up working ultimately. Um, but they now have Josh Dobbs and, and Jacoby Brissett for the next 11 weeks uh, once the regular season starts due to the Deshaun Watson suspension that was finally agreed upon and handed down late last week. Um, I, I think if you're the Browns, you'd probably feel a little bit better with Case Keenum, especially the way that he looked today in this Bills offense. It was very clear that with a higher level of talent around him, he did get an opportunity to play with the ones, which Arcel Capaccio during pregame talked about that being an important aspect of wanting to see today. We wanted to see Case Keenum get some opportunities to play with Stephon Diggs, get some opportunities to play with Gabriel Davis, with that starting offensive line, because if for whatever reason he is forced to play in a situation with those guys, that there is a level of chemistry that is already built, some 
some some kind of uh, game action they can go back to and think about plays that worked or didn't work based on the strengths and weaknesses of Case Keenum's game. So it was good to see Keenum with that starting offense have success and then carry that over when the second team came in as well. And, you know, again, a lot of that has to do with how well the offensive line played today. They really kept every quarterback. Josh Allen on his first drive, first and only drive, by the way, kept him upright. Um, I thought they did a great job when Matt Barkley came in the game. And you had your a lot of your second and third team players uh, keeping him upright. And obviously Case Keenum as well. So the offensive line, kudos, hats off to them for keeping every quarterback in this game off the ground, um, allowing them to, to throw for a combined in this game. Again, a combined 26 of 29 for 302 yards. Um, we are actually going to kick to uh, Zach Moss. Zach Moss met with the media after the game, uh, and we're going to play that to you, and hopefully by the time Zach is done, we'll have Coach Sean McDermott for you. So here's Bill's running back, Zach Moss. Those six for six on touchdown drives to start the game. Uh, it's great. It's going to look real good on film. That's for sure, I think. Um, but that just speaks to the execution that we had through all, throughout uh, practice this week and then just translate it to today. What a sign of just where the offense is at this point, that you're that much on point with only two games under your belt? Uh, I mean, if you look at last week and then this week, I think it was the mindset, right? We changed, we got a different mindset. Ball security was a lot better. Um, and I think all those things kind of play a big factor into it. Obviously, there's a lot more things that um, we watch the film that's going to pop up that we can get better at, details and things like that. Um, but today was a good showing. Um, just got to keep building off that. Is it night and day? The way how this offense is, is going now. I mean, the O-line was just phenomenal mm-hmm. out there today. I mean, using power in zone. Y'all didn't have that type of combination and versatility up front. Care to talk about that difference? Yeah, the, uh, the O-line did a good job today. They came out, executed, I think, just from the first first drive with uh, with Josh and those guys going out there. Those guys started it, and then everybody after that just continued to follow that and keep that um, keep that going throughout the whole entire game. And I think, again, that just goes back to our mindset. We harped on that all this past week, um, and it was good to see guys just come out there and continue to do that and execute the way we did today. Capitalized on a couple short yardage situations in the first half. Do you feel, as you're getting pretty close here to the start of the season, that your role is kind of becoming defined, and you feel pretty comfortable with that? What they're asking you to do? Uh, I mean, I don't know if it's being defined. I mean, that's one of the coaches. I don't worry about that type of things. Anytime my number is called, I want to make sure I'm going out there and putting my best foot forward, um, and I was able to do that today. Bills running back Zach Moss. Let's go to the podium live because we've got Bills head coach Sean McDermott perspective on things I want to uh, mention that the the, uh, Knox family what Dawson and his family are going through today Uh, I think it's important to keep proper perspective on things and how important that is and again that we're thinking of them and and wish we could be there with them so our love goes out to them Uh, as far as the football game goes a lot of good things I thought the offense got out to a to a good start Defensively, what stood out to me was the way we finished the game, uh, finished strong there at the end. That was a good effort to see, and then special teams chipped in where they could chip in as well. And But still a lot to work on. Um, as you know, penalties, tackling. I, I didn't think our some of our uh, coverage units were where they needed to be, the kickoff return there. So a lot to work on uh, as coaches, as players. Uh, certainly understand where, where Denver is and what they were doing today. Uh, not playing their starters and a lot of respect for Nate and George and what they're trying to do and how early they are in their build. Um, I thought the fans were outstanding for a preseason game. Uh, I think some of our new players, again, were uh, their eyes were 
opened up a little bit more in terms of what this community is like and how it comes together and supports this team. So um, anyway, good afternoon and uh, still a lot of work to be done. So uh, I'll turn it over to you. Nice to see Case kind of bounce back from last week. Yeah, uh, it was, and, and I thought he, I mean, really when he came in the day after the game last week, you, you could just tell, um, and again, it wasn't an overreaction, but it was a professional's approach, and not that it wasn't before, but you could just tell he was he was dialed in on what he, what he wanted to get done this week. Was the plan always one series for Josh, or did it go so well that you just decided you had seen enough? Yeah, just overall, not just Josh, Jay, but overall for the starters, just to feel. I wanted to go into the game and just feel it out, and, and uh, Josh included. I just felt like, you know, um, he was in a good spot and had success and really wanted to get Case out there as well with the ones and, and have him get a feel of taking a snap from Mitch and, and some of those things also. How pleased were you today of uh, how you guys played up front, O-line, D-line? Yeah, I mean, you know, of course, we always look at the film up front because it's hard to see, but the numbers in the run game at the line of scrimmage, uh, you know, jump out to me. And, uh, um, you know, we were in some advantageous second down situations on offense, which and then limited the third downs overall. So that's a... Uh, when you can do that, that's that's some good work there. Jack Lawson had a couple of splash plays today, and we talked a lot about what he brings in the room. But to get that maybe production from him on the field, I mean, how excited are you about what he? Yeah, did? he's. Uh, you know, again, you know, I we got off to a good start here a few years ago when he was here, and then and then, um, uh, you know, he went on a hiatus for a couple of years and came back, and it's good to have him back in the fold here, and um, love his energy. Have the efficiency and the productivity that you need on offense. How do you kind of keep people grounded? I realize it's a preseason game, so you probably wouldn't have too tough a time with that. But it goes so well that you don't want to get, you know what I mean, carried away with how easy it yeah. seems to be. Yeah. Again, that's why I said you got to keep proper perspective. Let's start with life and what we just talked about with Dawson, what he's going through, um, and then um, you look at the the first drive, you know, on our defense, and we. We allow them to extend drives via penalties, um, and just the tackling early in the game. So we just look at the film, and there's plenty to, for us to work on. And then again, they didn't play their starters, so keep everything in perspective. Sean, there's always that balance between playing your starters and getting everybody ready for that first game in L.A. How, how do you feel now getting through this and the way everybody played going forward now and in, in getting in that regular season mode? I mean, do you feel comfortable with the amount of time your main guys have gotten in these in these couple of games so far yeah I mean I think um, their focus has certainly been where it needs to be um, you know we've we've uh, put in good work and practice and, and I think that's that really goes back to the veteran leaders on our team and the way that they approach practice uh, uh, it's intense as you guys see that it, it's intense it's ones versus ones we get in a lot of good work out there and and uh, that makes my job easier um, just by the way that they approach practice and what we can get out of a practice. So, um, you know, I'm appreciative of that. Sean, uh, last year, you know, just these first two preseason games, what have you seen developmental-wise still on your way? Yeah, he get, he's, you know, he's got great juice. Um, you know, you can just feel him when he's out there. You, see the, you feel the burst, whether it's re in the return game or, the, or when he's carrying the ball in offense, catches the ball in the backfield. Um, <laughs> You know, plays his role, so he's 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 in a in a pretty crowded uh, situation right now. So, um, but very impressive to this point. Spencer um, starting at the second offensive line behind Preston Berry, is that part of the more <coughs> to play back, or 
why why have Quessenberry started? Well, yeah, I mean, Spencer hasn't, in fairness to Spencer, he hasn't been able to be out there as much as he'd like or, or we would have liked to this point. He's coming off of an injury, and so trying to bring him back the right way and um, building his his endurance and uh, getting him more and more comfortable as the days and weeks move forward here. John, John, James, Cook's today, James Cook today looked, he just looked more decisive on what he was doing than he did um, last week. Did you notice that maybe coming this week in practice or just assess what he saw today? Yeah, I thought, I thought all the backs ran well today. Uh, they really did. They were decisive. Uh, give credit to the offensive line as well. That's where it starts up front when you're moving that line of scrimmage. And, it just, you know, the, the continuity, if you will, of the, what the line was doing and where the running backs were hitting it, um, they seemed to be on the same page, and, and that's an important part of our offense. You mentioned the running backs there. When you draft a guy like Cook as high as you did, naturally it leads to some questions about maybe some of the guys who are on the roster. Zach Moss has seemed to respond really positively in both preseason games and including today. How have you seen, seen him respond to maybe that challenge, for lack of a better word? Well, uh, separate of, I think really it's for Zach, it's separate of us bringing in another player. Uh, it, there is competition there, and I think it's, it's good for all of us. Um, but Zach, uh, I saw a, we saw a, a, uh, a refocused uh, player this offseason. Again, he was healthy going into this offseason, which was important, and, and I give him a lot of credit. He's worked his tail off to get himself where he is, and I think he's had probably one of the, one of the more consistent uh, training camps to this point. John, how has Cody Ford summoned him? His summer. You mean his training camp? Or? Yeah, mini camp, training camp, preseason. Yeah, I think, I think he's done a really good job. He really has. You saw him finishing off blocks in a physical manner today. Uh, that stood out to me, and um, I think he's had, a, he's had a phenomenal training camp to this point. Is there a difference at all with Aaron Cromer as the coach versus Bobby with picking up different thoughts or whatever it be for, for Cody and his development? No, I mean, I think they're both really good offensive line coaches. And uh, uh, speaking on Cromer, I think he's, you know, he's, he's been around and uh, he's a veteran offensive line coach. And um, you guys know him. He's been here before. And um, I have a lot of trust in, in Aaron and what he, what he does for our front. And um, I think he's building a good dynamic with our offensive staff. Coach, how much is the point of emphasis inside the red zone being about being more efficient and physical at the same time? Well, on offense or defense or both? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really emphasized on both sides, offensively and defensively. Um, you've got to be strong in the red zone. Uh, good offenses are going to get down there. So defensively, we have to hold them. And then, you know, obviously on the other side of the ball, we need seven when we get down there, and that's what we had today. You had the, the point of emphasis apparently this year with the officials is illegal contact on the DBs. And you had Benford had one, Jackson, I think, had a PI. Just are you prepared for the point of emphasis and how it's going to be so so closely called and you've got some young guys back there? Yeah. Well, we got it. We have to continue to adjust, Sal, and that's that's an area of, of uh, where we need work, quite honestly. And I mentioned it coming in here, the penalties. We you can't give offenses extra chances to extend drives and, and so on and so forth. So um, we have plenty to clean up. Raheem mentioned Duke specifically as somebody that's really helped show him the way. Duke kind of deflected that when we asked him about it. It's not, it has nothing to do with him, he said. What have you seen from Duke adding in that running room? Yeah, um, Duke's, um, I mean, he's done a great job 
you know, in his own way of, of with the carries he's gotten, with the returns he's gotten, he's really controlled those situations and those opportunities and, and done a phenomenal job. And, and then what, what he's done intangibly on our team and how he's helped young players. Um, and, uh, I mean, it's just I can't say enough about what he's done and, and how he's gone about his business. He's a true pro and um, he's been a great – he's had a great influence on our team. Yeah, I got booed by a couple of the players on our sideline. Um, so those guys will no longer make the team. Uh, one guy did cheer for me, and he'll make the team. So, uh, yeah, unpopular decision on the sideline. But wanted to, you know, again, uh, get our punt unit out there and evaluate some of those guys as well. But um, what was your question again? Punting versus still, going. Okay. What are you still to see from both of them? Just is there a timeline for when you want to make that decision? With the punters? Yes. Well, I thought both had a pretty good week in practice. And, um, you know, Matt got the – Matt Hawk got the, uh, got the opportunity today and put another ball inside or around the 10-yard line, I believe it was. So uh, I thought he, he did a real nice job. And Ariza didn't get any opportunities, obviously, but he did hold today. So, um, you know, we'll just see as we take it one day at a time moving forward here. Sean, I can't believe I'm asking a punting question because it's just not my thing. It's more Joe's thing. Um, <laughs> he, was, he was mad there wasn't a punt to Palooza today. Um, two weeks in a row, Hawk has taken that punt from the 50. We know Ariza can boom him. I, I'm just wondering why you didn't give him the chance for that more finesse type of punt two weeks in a row. Yeah, no, I understand where you're coming from. Um, just, just uh, you know, wanted to follow through on what we what we said we would do and um, you know, really, we were start. We were going to start the game with with Matt Hawk uh, getting the first opportunity, and that's really when it came. So I wanted to follow through on that. What are your thoughts on Nick McLeod's decision to get back in the game? Well, um, I mean, what he went through, um, and then what he to, to get himself back out there. I think it really speaks to his toughness. And uh, I mean, anytime you're going through something like that, or other things that were going on for a couple of our players before the game, and, and then Dawson's overall, the mental toughness. There's a there's a mindset that you got to take into a game, and and uh, in Nick's case, going back in there after um, getting the laceration that he had is is impressive and and much appreciated. Josh and Ken working together today for the first time in a game setting. Uh, how did you feel their communication was? Obviously, the smooth scoring drive, but how did it seem from down the sideline? Yeah, it seemed uh, it seemed to, to uh, flow rather well. Um, again, those are things that we evaluate every week as coaches, and um, that communication and what happens on the sideline, what happens from the from the booth to the sideline, and vice versa, and then to the field with Josh in this case. So I thought it it, it uh, flowed rather smooth and smoothly, and and um, you know I think it's always something that we're working on, and over time they'll get more and more comfortable with one another. Okay. All right, thanks, guys. Thank all right, that is Bills head coach Sean McDermott and Sean McDermott's Coach's Podium brought to you by Northtown Automotive. Whatever you're looking for, you'll find it at northtownauto.com. Before we take a timeout, we're going to pause 10 seconds for station identification. You're listening to the Buffalo Bills Radio Network. Sports Radio 550 WTR Buffalo. WKSE HD2 Niagara Falls Buffalo. 98.5 FM. Always live on the free Odyssey app. All right, we're going to take a timeout on the other side. We're going to get you an update. We'll uh, get you the electric play of the game as well. So we got a lot to get to. 
A dominant game from start to finish for the Buffalo Bills in preseason game number two, extending their preseason win streak to 10 straight as they annihilate the Denver Broncos 42-15 at Highmark Stadium this afternoon. Josh Allen was out there for a grand total of six plays, which he capped off that drive with a 28-yard touchdown to Gabe Davis. Allen's day was done, but the Bills had plenty more left in the tank. Case Keenum, the number two quarterback, bouncing back from an iffy first preseason game. 16 of 18, 192 yards, and a touchdown to O.J. Howard. Zach Moss, Duke Johnson, each with a pair of rushing touchdowns, while Khalil Shakir once again led all Bills wideouts with 59 yards on three catches. The Bills didn't have a punt until their last full full drive of the fourth quarter. Matt Hack coming in to punt for that one. Buffalo closes out their preseason on the road, taking on the Carolina Panthers on Friday night at 7 p.m. Around the NFL, only one other game going on. Chiefs and Commanders, Patrick Mahomes played well past six plays. He went 12 of 19, 162 yards and two touchdowns, as Kansas City has a 14-0 lead. Five more games tonight in preseason action. For them, starting at 7 o'clock, that would be the Titans and the Bucks, the Raiders against the Dolphins, the 49ers taking on the Vikings, and the Jaguars battling it out with the Steelers. Meanwhile, at 10 o'clock tonight, the Cowboys take on the L.A. Chargers. This update brought to you by Independent Health. Well beyond insurance, learn more at redshirttreatment.com. I'm Derek Kramer for the Buffalo Bills Radio Network. All right, welcome back to the Buffalo Bills postgame show here on the Buffalo Bills radio network. Nick Erie here live from the Northwest Bank broadcast booth. Before we go any further, we're going to hear from Bills quarterback Josh Allen and Bills wide receiver Gabriel Davis. They caught up for a touchdown early in the first half, and now we catch up with them here. Hello. Whatever coach asked me to do, I'm doing. Uh, did feel weird to only play six, you know, once you get into that little rhythm. But, you know, shout out to our guys coming out and playing today, playing hard, um, making plays. Um, came out with intensity from, from the get-go. I'm proud of how we uh, handled ourselves today. It was good to see. Josh, if there was any concern about, you know, you and Ken or this offense and Ken being on the same page, how, how, how reassuring was today the way <coughs> you, you, you played and then also Case played? I mean... It is what it is. Like it's it's preseason. We know that um, things are going to be different. You know, come regular season, obviously higher stakes and all that jazz that comes with it. But in terms of operation, getting the play into the huddle and getting out and having time to at least be at the line and you know, make adjust, adjustments if need be, I thought we did a real good job with that today. Or was it because it was successful that you found out after that series? Right, yes, it was kind of after that series. Um, you know. Coach had a had a plan, and um, you know, originally thinking I might have two series or at least the first quarter. But I think just kind of how we operated, how the defense was playing, um, time, you know, within the first quarter, kind of dwindling down. You know, uh, it's just what it was. It was for both of you, can you walk us through your touchdown? It seemed like you maybe wanted to pull it down and run, then rethought it, and you found him. What did you see, and then Gabe, what did you see on that play too? Yeah, um, you know, we just had like a little high-low concept, and they pushed the safety to the three-man side, leaving Gabe, you know, one-on-one. Didn't get to it right away. Um, again, the ball's got to go to there or, or Diggs right now um, early, and it didn't get to Diggs early, so I just kind of put my head down and did a little 360. And wasn't wasn't really meaning to do that, but 
uh, I knew I didn't want to run, so I was just trying to find some space and get the ball off. And again, he does such a good job at continuing the play and um, running when maybe some of these DBs are looking back, you know, in their zone coverage at the quarterback and allowing him to get some separation. Oh, um, yeah. As soon as I saw the safety down, I was like, oh, this might be a touchdown. Hopefully, um, 17 sees the thing, same thing, and he did. But when I was running and I saw him spin, I thought he was going to go the opposite way. Um, but luckily, he stayed back in and came my way, and I just kept running and knew I was going to get the ball, and it was going to be a touchdown. Simple. Obviously, I know you're going to say you want to play. But if you don't play next week, do you feel like you're good to go? I mean, let's get to Los Angeles. Uh, you know, I don't think it's the end of the end of the world if I don't play. I don't think it's the end of the world if I do play. I do know that, you know, Brandon Bean's got a, a tough job ahead of him. I'm, I'm sure he wants to see some, you know, some guys out there that maybe haven't been out there enough or need to be out there more. Um, but again, again, if coach comes to me and says, "Hey, we want you to play a series, a quarter, a half, whatever it is," you know, it's it's football at the end of the day. Hey, was that like that the way that play developed? Seem like almost old times again. Like you, you, you and Josh are just picking up from from last year in this offense. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Just picking up where right where we left off. Put a lot of work in OTAs and and training camp, and been making a lot of plays together this uh this whole time. So it's also like uh last year in the same preseason. I mean, I kind of scored on the same thing. Just a post route, safety was down, was able to take it, and um, just being having that same chemistry and uh you know kind of thinking alike. I'm glad we were we were on the same page. Can you talk about, you know, your baby face is sad too, by the way, but uh, can you talk about that trust finding number 13? Gillette, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's their, like, like you said, you had to do a 360, but to, you know, reprogress and find your guys, trusting in 13 at those times. Yeah, I mean, you practice, you know, um, during training camp, basically structured plays, you know, D, the D linemen get close and tag off and it's a blown whistle and, you know, but once once we're thumping and pads really go on and game time's live, you know that's the benefit of what we have in our offense. Of at any point, at any play, it could be a scramble. It could be like, hey, I'm trusting you to go deep, and as long as you keep running your route like he was doing, I think our guys do a really great job of that. Of just trusting the play that, you know, if it's a, a runoff for the love of the game route, you know they're clearing something open. The ball still could be thrown your way just because of you know movement in the pocket and, and things that I see. Um, but our guys know that, and they, they execute it well. This team has done a very good job in rallying around teammates or coaches who um, are mourning or in pain, David herself and now Dawson. Um, how much did that, that tragedy weigh uh, on this team, and, and how did you focus this team to put the, put, go step forward on this field? Yeah, it's, it, I'll speak here first, and I know Gabe can can speak on it too. When one of your teammates is hurting, um, you hurt with them, you know. And I think you ask anybody in the locker room, Dawson's one of you know the most stand-up guys in terms of how he carries himself, um, the type of love that he gives out to teammates and coaches. You know, he gets it right back from everybody in the building. So, um, you know, when when somebody you care about like that is hurting that much, you know, it's it does weigh on you. And again, I can't. Imagine what him and his family are going through right now, and we just send all of our, our thoughts and prayers with him. And I know there's nothing that you can say um, to make any of them feel better right now. And it, it happens with time. And you know, I just hope you know he gets back here, and we can we can love up on him, you know, like I know how we can. Uh, yeah, I mean, 
So Josh said everything and took all the words that you know out of my mouth what I can say about it. Obviously, our love goes out to Dawson and his family. Um, but and just looking up when they um, showed his brother up on the screen, um, and I kind of put myself in his shoes for a second because um, I have a younger brother as well that plays ball at UCF. Um, and I just know something I know that I would want is all the love for my brothers and my guys around, and I know that's what will be uh, when he comes back and when he has his time and comes back when the time is right. But I know he wants us to also put a great performance out there because I know he expects nothing less, and I'm glad we were able to execute the way we did. Um, as far as an Aaron Cromer coached offensive line, from your perspective, what is the biggest difference you see from that coaching staff and how he coaches up the group as opposed to maybe the last couple of years? Um, I mean, I won't go into specifics, but I, I do think, you know, in terms of run game, the communication that we have, and at least, um, you know, I feel like we're on the same page of why we're calling a certain run play right now. And coach does a great job, you know, coaching up those guys and, you know, not just relaying the message to them, but relaying the message to myself and the running back. You know, when we're doing our inside run period, like, hey, this is why we're calling this play. Running back, get your eyes here. If this guy bounces out, cut it up. Like, he's very um, peculiar in, in how he's teaching things. And, again, he's had a lot of success in this league, and it's, uh, it's a blessing to have him. It really is. And, you know, um, putting up 200-plus rush yards, no matter who you play, um, is a good sign. How aware were you guys as it was going on that the offense started six for six on touchdowns, and then second to that, to see Case bounce back from last week with the uh, performance that he had today, how big overall for the offense can that be? Yeah, uh, you go. They're asking you all the questions, man. I'll just listen. <laughs> what was the question? I wasn't even listening. <laughs> with touchdowns, you had a perfect game going there deep into the second half. And then second to that, you were out there some with Case uh, mm -hmm. in the second quarter. You know, obviously he was upset with himself about the turnovers last week. To see him bounce back and, and lead the offense the way he did, how big, how big was that for the team and for him as well? Yeah, I know uh, me and Dage were excited. I know Case was excited as well to get out there with him. Uh, we don't get as many reps with Case, so to be able to go out there and see how ready and prepared he was, it was a lot of fun. And I know Whenever 18's out there, we can trust him, and I'm glad uh, he's on our side of the ball. All right, that's Bills wide receiver Gabriel Davis and Bills quarterback Josh Allen following today's 42-15 win over the Denver Broncos in preseason game number two. We're going to take a timeout on the other side. We'll hear from Bills left tackle Deion Dawkins. We'll also get you the electric play of the game. That's all coming up next, so don't go anywhere. This is Buffalo Bills football. Snap to Allen, looks to the end zone, doesn't pull the trigger. Now he does, looking deep down in the end zone. It is caught down there. Touchdown, Buffalo. Touchdown, Bills. Gabe Davis. Josh Allen did a remarkable job getting all kinds of time, getting away from the pressure, and he found Gabe Davis in the end zone. He all right, that was your electric play of the game brought to you by Town BMW for an electrifying performance. Check out Town's BMW lineup of EVs. I'm Nate Geary. Welcome back to Buffalo Bills postgame. Live from the Bills uh, broadcast booth uh, up here in the Northwest Bank broadcast booth. By the way, 
that sound is a real sound. It was a preseason game. It sounded like the AFC Championship game, but it was just kids' day. I mean, it was as loud as I've ever heard it in this place for a preseason game. Eric Wood said it earlier. In his career, he's never seen a uh, the stadium this full for a Bills preseason game, and it was uh, one for the books as the Bills win 42-15. to We're going to go back to the podium. We're going to hear from Bills left tackle, Deion Dawkins. After, you know, with Josh starting and after some sloppiness last week, what did the offense do today to maybe reassure everybody that this thing is on the right track with Ken? So just to get the correct, uh, the, the, the question correct, like what, like what do you mean by sloppiness? Well, the turnovers and, and, and the lack of finish. So you wonder what's the difference from last week and this week? I guess it's with the reassuring to see Josh out there, the only played six plays, and boom, he scored a touchdown. How reassuring was that performance? Who's sloppiness last week? Um, well, to get it just a little right, I wouldn't call it sloppiness. Um, I would call it more um, the competitiveness. Like, you know, like, like we're all practicing, you know, and uh, it's never going to be 100% perfect. Um, you know, like you might re- refer to sloppiness, but we're, we're like we're trying to catch our drift, like we're trying to get on our tone. And it takes practice. It takes going against opponents. It, it takes, you know, doing different things. And uh, it's funny because like, like I don't even think Josh played last week. Yeah, so there's really well, no way to tell. Just the offense. I, what, what did this offense do today? In- to reassure you that it's on the same page with Dorsey and, yeah. you know. I mean, like, we just had more days of practice, so we had more days to perfect and be professionals. Um, you know, I'm a Josh supporter, so Josh went out there. He did what he, he uh, and was doing. You know, like, we had a couple of things that happened um, in the building, you know, like, like with Dawson, and, you know, we have angels. So um, we play with our energy, and we play with our power. Yeah, what have you seen from the running backs? Because obviously you're the one in front of them blocking, but it feels like all of them are breaking off big chunk plays. You know, it, like, it seems like every year, like, our running back room is, like, super stacked. Um, the running backs just keep impressing us every single day in practice, every single week. And, uh, and those are some, some, and some great ball carriers. Um, the young kid, like, he's been doing a great job. Duke has been doing an amazing job. Moss is healthy now. You know, motor is still motor. And, uh, like, they just keep chucking away. Like, they're trusting what Cromer is, is coaching in the run installs. And um, it's, it's obviously showing. And, uh, and they're doing a great job doing it. And specifically with Moss, we actually just heard from probably 10 minutes ago. And he has said, like, I wasn't healthy last year. Exactly. From your standpoint, what's the biggest difference between a healthy Zach Moss and a banged up Zach Moss? What's the difference? Uh, it's really just confidence. Like, you can see his confidence, like his swagger. Like, you could literally feel it. Like, when any athlete of any type has 100% of their gas, it's, it's, it's a scary sight. Like, we're all pro athletes. And for anybody's tank, like, to be full, you know, they're, g- like, going to have that extra advantage. And if, if Moss is, is finally, like, you know, like, fully, like, healthy, like, he's fully him. Like, he can finally you know, sm- spell Moss with, with both S's and, and not just one S. So, like, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good sight. Yeah, about how much time starters need in yeah. the preseason. We watch you guys in live reps and all in practice. What's the difference today yeah. as to what you do in practice? 
Well, we're playing against guys that, that we couldn't technically get to really study for. Like we, like we can't sit in, a, in the film room and look at every rep on third down and first down and first quarter, second quarter, third quarter, because everything changes. So we're playing against different opponents. You know, it's, it always keeps you like, like on edge. Because like not to say that when you're going against like your, your teammates, like you kind of get into this comfortable rhythm of, oh, I know what he's doing. Oh, I, I, like I know exactly what Vaughn is about to do or what this guy is doing or what Ed's doing or, or Jay Phillips. And then you're playing against guys that you have no idea. And then they're, you know, pushing you in, in a different way. And you're like, oh, I, like I haven't felt that yet. So it kind of keeps you up to get into like season ready. But personally me, like, like I enjoy it. Like I enjoy playing against opponents. I enjoy, you know, practicing against new guys. And it, and it just keeps, like, all of your tools sharp. Yeah, you have some great balance out there today. I mean, 300 yards in the air, 200 on the ground. Yeah. How fun was it to <laughs> Yeah, uh, I am a Roger fan, you know. I enjoy Roger. Uh, playing with Roger, uh, it, it brings me back to when I played with Richie in, in a way. Just a, just an extremely seasoned vet and to have a big homie, like, like an older guy to to kind of like look up to, like man, like you done did it, you like you got your accolades, you improved on yourself in the league, and then to get in an actual live game because this was our like first one, so to actually feel it and uh, you know get things going, it's amazing. So uh, I'm extremely excited to get this season off with Ro- Roger and the guys, and just you know and just keep things going because uh, it's always good like like when you have a consistent heartbeat. You know, and not to say like when there's changes, it's a bad thing. But when it's consistent, it's like it's cool. But Roger, you know, he he's definitely a guy, and uh, I'm I'm thankful to have him. Thank you. Yep, appreciate y'all. All right, that was Bills offensive lineman, left tackle Dion Dawkins. We're going to take another timeout on the other side. We'll get you the eye on the quarterback. We'll get connected with fans as well. So we've got uh, a lot more to get to here in the next half hour or so on the Buffalo Bills postgame show. This is the Buffalo Bills Radio Network. Game show here on the Buffalo Bills Radio Network. We're going to head it back out to the phones. We've got a caller, and I don't have a name in front of me. So, Mr. Caller, you're now on the Buffalo Bills post game show. So, is that me from uh, Northern Illinois? Absolutely, it is, my friend. All right, Nate, I appreciate that. Hey, listen, my pleasure, buddy. You know, first, no, first and foremost, uh, condolences to the Knox family. I just, I got to put that out there. I think we all feel that pain. Um, you know, your analysis on the offensive backfield spot on. I mean, there are so many things I want to talk about as I've been on hold, but you know, Hey, coach even got it. You've gotten some things. Um, I would really like to talk about who I think is the unsung hero, right? It's, it's preseason. We, we all know that a lot of vanilla offenses off uh, vanilla defenses, but Ken Dorsey, that double crossing route late in the second where McKenzie crossed over Crowder came Crowder caught the ball. You know, they ended up scoring with Zach Moss there. But, I mean, it was just an amazing play call. And I just cannot wait to see more and more of that from this team. I think Ken Dorsey is amazing. Um, you know, this is going to be a great year. I'm, I'm 46 years old. I, I was there for the 90s as a teenager, you know, with this team. And, mm-hmm. honestly, I've never seen a better team. In all aspects, in the depth that we have, being McDermott six years, 
absolutely amazing. You know, that, that's kind of what I got to say. And there's one last thing, and that is, you know, I don't know what kind of pull you have, Nate, but, man, if you can get Nick Mendola to do the Bills rap for WGR this season, I mean, we, we got to find a way. I know he's like a soccer guy with NBC, but come on, we got to get Nick Mendola back. Listen, I, got, I don't have that much pull, but I, I might have some Mendola pull. I, I might. I, might. <laughs> I like the Mendola pull. Nate, you do an amazing job on post game. I'm looking forward to seeing you, you know, this, or not seeing you, but listening to you this whole season. I'm from Illinois, diehard, born and raised in Buffalo. WGR on Odyssey, honestly, the best damn thing that has happened for us transplants. So, hey, go Bills. Can't wait for the season. Nate, keep going, man. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate you. Thanks for the call. And, uh, yeah, they're just a damn well-coached football team. Uh, that that kind of comes through week in and week out. And in these preseason games, when you're watching second and third team players, it becomes more and more evident that they're just a really, from head coach to position coach to um, all the way down to interns, it just seems like this team is very coachable and they, you know, they, they play through their discipline. And uh, I think it shows week in and week out. And when you have, you know, backups and, and backups to backups dominating another team on the other sideline, I think that's that's really where that stuff shows. I'm going to take a time out. We're going to see if we can get to Case Keenum and Devin Singletary on the other side. I'm going to give myself enough time to take a look at that. So let's uh, take a time out on the other side. We'll try to get to that next here on the Buffalo Bills postgame show. This is the Buffalo Bills Radio Network. Snap to Allen. Looks to the end zone. Doesn't pull the trigger. Now he does. Looking deep down in the end zone. It is caught down there. Touchdown, Buffalo. Touchdown, Bills. Gabe Davis. Josh Allen did a remarkable job getting all kinds of time, getting away from the pressure, and he found Gabe Davis in the end zone. A dominant game from start to finish for the Buffalo Bills as they annihilate the Denver Broncos 42-15 at Highmark Stadium this afternoon, pushing Buffalo's preseason win streak to 10 straight games. Quarterback Josh Allen was out there for a grand total of six plays, which he capped off with that 360 no-scope pass for a 28-yard touchdown to Gabe Davis. Allen's day was done, but the Bills had plenty more in the tank. Quarterback Case Keenum bouncing back from an iffy first preseason game he went 16 of 18 for 192 yards, as well as this touchdown to O.J. Howard to make it 28 to 6. Here's the snap. Going to throw it. Fires into the end zone. It is caught. Touchdown, Buffalo. O.J. Howard makes a good grab in the end zone. Touchdown, Buffalo, with 13 seconds left. Zach Moss and Duke Johnson, each with two rushing touchdowns on the day. Rookie wide receiver Khalil Shakir once again leading all wideouts with 59 yards on just three catches. The Bills didn't have a punt until their last drive in the fourth quarter. Matt Areza doing nothing but holding today. Matt Hack was the only one to punt this afternoon for the Bills. Buffalo closes out their preseason on the road next week, taking on the Carolina Panthers on Friday night at 7 p.m. You'll be able to hear all of that right here on the Buffalo Bills radio network. Around the NFL, five more preseason games tonight, four of them starting at 7 p.m. Titans taking on the Bucks. The Raiders face off with the Dolphins. The 49ers clash with the Vikings while the Jaguars take on the Steelers. Meanwhile, at 10 p.m., it'll be the Cowboys and the L.A. Chargers. Scores around the league delivered by UPS stores of Western New York for every ing for small business, all in one place. I'm Derek Kramer for the Buffalo Bills Radio Network.
All right, welcome back to the Buffalo Bills postgame show here on the Buffalo Bills radio network. Nate Geary here. I think I'm uh, one of the last uh, handful of people in the stadium. Uh, it's quiet. It's eerie. Um, and the Bills won 42-15 to just uh, a short two hours ago uh, to go to 2-0 on the preseason uh, so far this year. It's time now to get an eye on the quarterback, and it's brought to you by Great Lakes Building Systems. We keep an eye on your business so you don't have to. Great Lakes Building Systems, our business is protecting your business. And usually this is a segment that is kept di directly for Josh Allen. We'll keep that in vain as well and go uh, in this game. Josh Allen finishes 3-for-3 three three for 45 yards and a touchdown in just six plays on the first offensive series. And uh, to the bench he went, Case Keenum comes into the game. He finishes out the second drive with the first-team offense and then finishes up the half with the second-teamers. He goes 16 of 18 for 192 yards and one score. Combined, this team's quarterback group had quite the game today. 26 of 29, 302 yards and two scores. No interceptions, no turnovers in this game. A far cry from their week one game against the Indianapolis Colts on this field just a week ago. Sean McDermott talked about all week being frustrated by the amount of turnovers and penalties and a major shift this week from a team that struggled with penalties and turnovers. This week, no turnovers for the Bills. Uh, they did finish the game with eight penalties for 68 yards to just three for 20 for the Denver Broncos, but a far cleaner game in terms of mistakes, both mental and physical on the field today but overall this was a story of the Bills dominating every phase of the game from start to finish uh, the Bills finished this game uh, with just under 60 plays but had 510 yards they averaged 9.1 yards per play in this game on eight total drives uh, 302 passing yards 208 rushing yards a 7.7 .7 yards per rush average and a 10.4 yards per pass average uh, just a dominant performance by the Bills. And third downs for the ones, the very few that they faced in this game, the Bills finished two for three on third down compared to five of 12 on third down for the Denver Broncos. Passing first downs in this game, 18 to, four, 18 to 12. But the thing that really was the differenti uh, differentiator in this game, particularly in the second half, the Bills rushing first downs in this game, 14 to Denver's three. And that makes it easy when you get up early in this game and you can turn around and hand the ball off to Duke Johnson, which they did all afternoon with that second team offensive line. I do want to hit on one area that I believe the Bills will likely need to get better better at and something that I do believe will probably be a focus of Sean McDermott this week at practice. Kickoff coverage. At times today, it was not pretty. The first three kickoffs, um, you saw a Denver returner uh, break free pretty easily. So um, I imagine Sean McDermott's going to be straightening things up this week uh, in the film room and on the practice field with co with uh, kickoff coverage. I did in my notes see that uh, Isaiah Hodgins did play on the kickoff team today on the very first kickoff. Uh, he was in on that first tackle. So for those keeping score at home and tracking Isaiah Hodgins and how many special teams snaps he's getting throughout these preseason games as he, and it appears like Jake Kumaro anyways, are in sort of a head-to-head -head battle for the last wide receiver spot on this team. Right now, it's pretty obvious to me Khalil Shakir has not just made and found himself as a lock on this 53-man roster, uh, but he has firmly put himself in a position to potentially be this team's wide receiver four and their primary punt returner come week one of the regular season. Now, we'll see if Jamison Crowder sticks around, and uh, that could be really the big difference here is, is if Khalil Shakir can do all the things 
that Jamison Crowder can do, and he can return punts. It might give them the opportunity to keep both Jake Kumro, who does give them special teams value, and Isaiah Hodgins, who has a little bit better of a ceiling as a wide receiver, especially a higher ceiling than Jamison Crowder. He's also, can, and, and I thought, I kind of pigeonholed him coming into the league as what I thought was sort of a big slot. Um, I've been surprised to see how competent he has looked at the outside boundary receiver position. So um, I've liked what I've seen so far this preseason from Isaiah Hodgins. Another good game today. He finishes this afternoon um, in terms of uh, catching the football. He finishes the day three catches for 28 yards. In fact, he was four and a half yards short and cost me $100 on a five-person parlay, but that's neither here nor there. That's what I deserve for betting on preseason football. I don't blame him. I blame myself. Um, Khalil Shakir, he finishes the day with three catches, 59 yards. Gabriel Davis, he finished on those first two drives of the game that he played, two for 47, and that score from Josh Allen. Um, so a lot to like from the Bills offense today, both from a running and passing uh, perspective. I talked a lot about the running backs on the roster, the top three being Devin Singletary, James Cook, Zach Moss. They do give me a lot of the, the Fred Jackson, uh, Marshawn Lynch, and C.J. Spiller vibes. But I'll tell you what, Duke Johnson played a heck of a game today as well. And uh, although there does not appear to be room for him on this 53-man roster, I do get the sense that Duke Johnson will catch on elsewhere. Based on the last couple of games he played in Miami last year, running for 100 yards four times at the end of last season for Miami with a, a pretty inept um, running game last year. So to see what he was able to do um, in a couple of those games or a couple of those games last year and obviously in the preseason so far has been a sight to see. All right, that's going to do it for me, Nate Geary, back here at the Northwest Bank Broadcast booth. We've got the overtime show for our local coverage coming up next with Derek Kramer, so don't go anywhere. This is Buffalo Bills football. <laughs> 